Wertes in der Kleinstadt Winden ein Junge auf mysteriöse Weise verschwunden. Die Frage ist nicht, wer die Kinder entführt hat, sondern wann. Das Ende ist der Anfang. Und der Anfang ist das Ende. Tick, tick. Du wirst alles verstehen, wenn es an der Zeit ist zu verstehen. Tick, tick. Aber jede Entscheidung für etwas ist doch immer eine Entscheidung gegen etwas. Hello and welcome to Dark, a companion podcast to the Netflix TV series I'm PB. I'm Mergles. And I'm Acorn. Wollen wir anfangen? Yes. Yes. So before we get started, this is a companion podcast, not a watch along. So you definitely want to have watched the whole series first. I know you probably know this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Uh, we've also chosen to run the podcast as more of a discussion between friends. There's no note peeking. And hopefully that leads to a bit more of a conversational feel for you. We want you to feel like you're in our living room, kind of discovering and talking right along with us. And also, hopefully that gives us more surprises as well. Do we have any housekeeping? Yeah. So we found out yesterday mm -hmm. that our first episode broke a thousand downloads. And that's fucking phenomenal. That's insane. insane. That's insane. My my cat just like knocks something over at the precise that precise moment. Uh, Your cat is also excited. Uh, yeah, yeah. Your cat Thanks was like a thousand broken. downloads. Uh, yeah, yeah a thousand downloads. Sure, <laughs> a thousand downloads. That's so exciting, and also it made me nervous. I I was like, I gotta go through my notes again, like two or three times, uh, to make sure that I have everything prepared for tomorrow. <laughs> It's like that, you know. I can't can't let anybody down, but also like excited and just thank you. So yeah, that's that's what I wanted yes. to say. Thank you for listening. Thank you for telling everybody. Thank you for um, sharing with your friends and family. And thank you for being here. Okay, now mail. Okay, we have a bunch of emails that are like participating in the conversation so mm -hmm. i won't read one of those because we can save it for radio winden mm -hmm. um but we did get a wonderful email from vincent hi you three hi hi vincent hi. i've recently discovered your podcast over the dark subreddit and burned through the first seven episodes in no time okay now <gasps> wait a second though are they finding us from did we leave a comment somewhere No, because I, I said I was going to I said I was going to reply and at least say thank you. But I don't think we ever actually no. posted a thing for our no, show. I don't think so. No, I think it's all from the same po uh, the same post that we discussed a while back. Oh, I know. Oh, my God. So cool. I know. Okay, so we should probably make a post and be like, hey, this is our thing. Just so more yeah. people can find us if they want. Yeah. yeah. Ah, okay. I'm sorry. Please continue, <laughs> Vincent, through our mailman. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I'm the mailman. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot to say it. <laughs> I love your podcast and enjoy listening to your excitement for the show. Even though I've watched the first two seasons like three times, there is still so much I'm taking along for my probable next watch through by listening to your discussion. My obsession with the show has now translated into an obsession with your podcast, and I already ah. mourn the day you stop doing new episodes. Oh. oh. It's okay. We're gonna. We're probably gonna tackle another show. We've had so yeah. much fun yeah. with this that we've already talked about it. So we can probably tell you. We'll find. There's actually another show that I think dark fans would really, really love to dive into, called Russian Doll. If you guys mm -hmm. have uh, heard of that or or seen that, um, which I'm gonna I'm gonna propose we do that one next, maybe uh, if you're into it. So yeah, it won't be the I'm last of the dark three. That's for sure. Yep. <laughs> okay. 
I'm so glad I still have some episodes to listen to before I have to wait one whole long week for another. Wink face. Keep up the good work. Your podcasts really make my day. Stay awesome, Vincent. Thank Aww. you, Vincent. Oh my God. God. Thank you, Vincent. Letter. That's so nice. <laughs> oh my goodness. Aww. I love it. Thank you. Okay. Um, That's the one, only one you wanted to read, right? Because the rest are for Radio Winden? Yes. Okay. Ganska now. <laughs> So now is actually probably a good time to also mention um, if you're not listening to our Radio Winden ep- episodes and you're sending us mail, um, we are actually doing mini episodes where we read your uh, letters and we kind of like dive. We were just finding that um, for those of you who are sending information on episodes or things that we missed, we wanted a little bit more time to talk about that properly so that we could dive in and uh, continue the conversation. So if you want to join in the conversation, please feel free to reach out or send us email at Radio Winden. No, we're not Radio Winden at Gmail. We are <laughs> Dark Companion Pod at gmail.com. And also next week, Acorn has family visiting. Yay! Yeah. So we won't be doing a regular uh, episode. We will be releasing one of our Radio Winden episodes, but then we will be back the following week. So you'll still have something to listen to on uh, Dark Day but it just won't be a, a full episode. So, and I think dark that day. is it for, yeah, dark day. I think that's it <laughs> for a housekeeping and mail and things like that. So are we ready for our question of the week? Yes. Oh my gosh, yes. Okay. So do you, it's twofold. You can do one or the other. Do you have a favorite myth or do you have a myth that you feel represents you as a person? Oh or your God. Life? Yeah, I know. It's a bit intense, but appropriate. Myth specifically, just to any story or specifically we could do like any a Greek story. or Roman we could do, myth. Yeah, I was going to say okay. a, uh, like a anything like a Greek that myth. either a Greek yeah. myth or just any any kind of. It doesn't have to be Greek. It could be you know really anything Celtic myth or folklore, anything like that that you feel like represents you. But Acorn, if you had something that came to mind, I am interested to hear it. Any story or old tale really is kind of what I was thinking. Yeah. So. I don't know if this is going to be my answer, but the first thing that came to mind was this book that I read as a kid. And it's been one of those ghosts that has haunted me ever since because I don't know what that book was, but I still remember it to this day. And I have a really crappy memory, so that's saying something. But it was a book that I read in maybe second or third grade. Mm -hmm. And I think it was called The Enchanted Forest. And so it's not a proper myth or legend or whatever. It's just a, a fictional book. But it really stuck with me because... It was this concept of a young girl and a young boy going into a forest and it was populated by like fairies and there was a queen of the forest. But it was I think the reason it stuck with me so much is because it actually had dark themes to it, similar to your traditional um, like fairy tale or, or whichever. And there was this one part where and this sounds very Greek and Roman the queen of the forest enchanted the boy. And at that time, the boy and the girl were like bonded and they were companions and he like turned against her. And it was, there was this one scene in particular where she was like in the queen's court and she was just like completely emotionally gutted because the boy who she had begun to rely on, like rebuked her and she was completely alone in this magical world. And like, I don't know why that stuck with me so much. Yeah, right? Yeah. I swear, I've done so much Googling in the last couple of years and I cannot find it. But I don't know why it stuck with me so much. Yeah. Find this book for Acorn, please. Hunters, let's go. Yeah. Yeah. We've got to do it. (laughs) It definitely had like dark themes. It was a dark 
Enchanted Forest. Do you remember and... either of the characters' names? No, I no, wish. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. That's yeah. so cool. Oh, man. Well, you never know. Yeah. I know. Who knows? Maybe someone has read it. Maybe someone still has it on their shelf and they, they'll listen and tell me. If you do, you will have solved a 20 plus year old mystery in my life. It would be amazing. <laughs> Mine was, I, I, it's by uh, Ursula Gwynn, cat, yeah. the flying cats. Mm-hmm. For a long time, I couldn't remember that book. And then somebody was like, oh, cat wings. Okay. So yeah, so uh, I, I read this book when I was a kid and I remembered like, the, but it's a cat, but like also an owl and it like, fl- they flew around and it was like really awesome and adventurous and I could never remember oh the gosh. name of it. And that haunted me for a long time too, until I think I mentioned it in stream once and somebody was like, did you mean cat wings by like Ursula Le Guin? And I'm like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no way. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes, it was. To kind of pull it around to like more proper mythology. I've always also liked the Persephone tale, which I think has similarities to that Enchanted Forest story I was just talking about where the characters get plunged into this other realm and they have to like come to terms with that and and deal with it in different ways. Yeah, no, that's good. Um, Do you want to sort of briefly touch on the main themes of Persephone's tale? Persephone's the one that goes into the underworld, underworld, Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, from what I remember, and actually there's a really good comic, a web comic that was done that I can recommend. Um, but yeah, from what I remember, Persephone was the goddess of spring, and she encountered Hades, who then forcefully took her into the underworld. And there was something about her eating a pomegranate, which was a fruit of the underworld. And after she did that, she had a, an everlasting tie. And so in order to make this work out, I think Zeus married off Persephone to Hades and she became the queen of the underworld. But for half the year, she spent her time in the underworld with Hades. And for the other half, she spent it in the mortal realm or the above ground realm. And I think that's supposed to signify the seasons. Yeah. Oh, that's a good answer. Merx, what about yeah. you? Oh, I think the first thing that came to mind. So when I was like 13, I think I was about 13, my mom started exploring pe- paganism. <laughs> <laughs> and um she i remember her sort of like uh, previous to that i was like going to catholic school i was raised catholic and uh she started exploring paganism and started talking to me about it and she told me like oh something you do is like you pick a goddess or a god to sort of be the the person that you uh look to or you know pray to or something like that and um i decided to pick artemis and for the yeah. rest of my life, yeah, I just, I love her. For the rest uh, of my life. Is Artemis the equivalent to Athena? No. Okay. Diana. So Artemis okay, and Diana, yep. like moon. Yeah. Uh, goddess of the moon. And it felt, uh, when I was like 13, it felt super right because I'm a cancer. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, uh, I'm a cancer moon, cancer sun. It's a great combo. So I... <laughs> I felt I have always felt very like attached to the moon and I was like, she's cool. She's a huntress. Uh, Later on, I saw her being depicted very much with like sight hounds, which were dogs Mm. that I already loved. And I was like, oh, it's a sign. I don't. (laughs) Um, And she I just always really I don't know. It was just like a good, good energy. So I picked her when I was like 13. And ever since then, I've just always had a big soft spot in my heart, even though I'm not pagan, even though I don't really, you know, it's just one of those things where you become attached. And yeah, 
So I've always had a soft spot spot in my heart for her. And it's strange because I never really got into mythology as much as I think I would have, you know, like I feel like I'm the type of person, like I'm interested in all that stuff, but I never really, really deep dived into Greek mythology or Celtic mythology as much as I think I would have liked. So my knowledge is relatively limited. I Mm. think my knowledge is really as much as everyone sort of knows culturally. And also I watched Disney's Hercules a bunch. So it's kind of, I feel like that and maybe some like Wikipedia reading is the extent of my knowledge on a lot of mythology. But did you have a a story that you really connected to as a kid that has followed you through life? Oh, like just any sort of story? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I was really obsessed with The Lion King. Mm -hmm. Uh, I became very obsessed with The Lion King. This is the answer. Yeah. Yeah, This is, Yeah. yeah. The Lion King, uh, like my my sister or my mom will say that I just had an immediate obsessive love for The Lion King from the moment I saw it. And then it just no. like never went How away. How old were you when you saw it for the first time? I think I was four. Yeah. Um, and I saw it in theaters and I was instantly obsessed. And I spent like a lot of my childhood drawing lions <laughs> and yeah. I would... I would like freeze frame the movie, like the film on the TV. And then I would like trace yeah. the frames out oh on, my gosh. on paper. That's um, what made you, you want know, to become an animator, right? It is. Yeah. yeah. So it yeah. has followed you through your life. Yeah. And then it became even more poignant. Like when my dad died, that yeah. was, it was just like, I started going to it for other things. I feel like I learned a lot I think the reason maybe why I'm so passionate about what I do is that I personally have the experience of learning a lot about life through animated films. Yeah. And I feel like it's a it's a medium that can really impact and change a person's life. So The Lion King did that for me. It was there for me during very difficult times when I also wanted to run away. And it taught me a lot about responsibility and grief and strength and courage in ways that I think like, you know, yeah. Anyway, no, that's, yeah. The Lion King. that's yeah, that's really good. That's a perfect answer. Also, thank you for sharing that because yeah. you just brought up a lot of memories that I haven't really thought about in a while because I very much relate to that. Yeah. Um, Lion King came out when I was a kid too. And it re- got really attached to it for the animals. But then when my dad died, similar, like, yeah, it turned into something else. I, uh, I can't believe I'm sharing this on the Internet. I used to put on concerts of the Lion King in my bedroom and I'd have my stuffed animals and my sister, my younger sister as the audience. And I would like perform the entire soundtrack, like just <laughs> one song at a time. And then I, it was part of a program in my school at the time that was like, weird as heck but one of one of the final projects that you could do was you know uh sort of like any creative thing that you wanted to do as long as it was related to like you know production in some sort of way so i ended up making puppets of the whole thing and i did a puppet show of the lion king start to finish um with, oh my God, with that's some oh things cut out it was just just the I'm music so, so that it wasn't you. the like <laughs> I'm just so in love with you. I got an an A on the project, which I was very happy about. But um, (laughs) I'm sure my teacher was like, I cannot believe I have to sit through every song of the fucking Lion King right now. Oh, my God. But yeah, I I very much enjoyed the Lion King. Oh, man. That's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Just to jump off the, the performance 
thing that you just shared. I mean, my cousins and I were really into playing animals. And so we would crawl around on our hands and knees pretending to be like lions and shit. And my parents had one of those adjustable beds where the foot and the head goes up. So we used to put the foot all the way up and pretend it was bride rock. Oh That's so good. Oh God. I always wanted to, I always wanted to be a male lion <laughs> because yeah. male lions had better hair. Um, <laughs> I, what was cool as well was like, so, uh, my dad eventually like my parents divorced when I was young and then my dad remarried and my stepmom was actually a stage manager and she stage managed the Toronto Broadway or uh. the not Broadway but she stage managed the Toronto show of Lion King and so uh -huh. like this crazy memory yeah, yeah I had this crazy memory of like she got us like seats like pull out seats that were like yeah. part of the production and she she had the hyenas as the hyenas were coming out she had one of the hyenas like come up to me and like do a thing as they were oh, like coming down the aisle and so then cool. oh my gosh yeah and then i got to go backstage and like look at the sets and like that's meet some of the actors cool. which was really insane it was like a really really amazing yeah it was just really cool yeah so the other one that did that for me so i think like for my answer i have you know, some, some mythology that I really, you know, got into when I was younger. Like I got, I went crazy into mythology for a while. I had kind of a similar, really strict religious upbringing and, you know, none of this was and allowed into my home at all. And then uh, yeah. eventually like through school, when I started like learning about this stuff, I, you know, I became really fascinated. I really enjoyed Norse mythology in particular. Um, and then I enjoyed how, each culture seemed to have the same tales that would repeat, but with different mirroring people. And I found that incredibly fascinating. And while I was doing research for this episode, I found a quote from one of the creators of the show. <gasps> yeah. No. So this, yeah, where she says, I think I personally read probably 100 books or so over the course of these three seasons. And not only on the science stuff behind it, but also philosophical pieces and a lot of spiritual writing, because there are so many layers of science, philosophy and metaphysics and spiritual stuff in the show. It was really quite interesting to see that they're all actually talking about the same thing, just from a different angle or perspective. Hermeticism. Yeah. So it's like, but they're underlying all, but, truth. Yeah. They're all yeah. talking about that hidden meaning or that underlying truth, which is, I think, a lot of what really attracted me to, you know, the myths. And what I really enjoyed was finding, you know, like, oh, the, the Celtic Morrigan are essentially the Norse Valkyrie. They're the goddesses yeah. of battle and death. And it's like they mirror each other. And in what ways are they different? So, those are things that I, I really became attached to and did a lot of like writing and I structured like whole D&D &D campaigns and stuff around this kind of uh, writing and stories and stuff. But I'd never really found anybody in particular that I was like, oh, that myth is me or I, I relate to, you know, um, this one particular, you know, goddess or anything like that. Um, however, I will say that uh, two films have followed me through into adulthood. One being The Brave Little Toaster, uh, which oh was God. an animated film that has followed me all the way through into my adult life. And I will still watch it uh, occasionally as an adult. I have no kids. I just sit and I watch it. And The Land Before Time, yes. uh, which is the, the original. And both are stories of like a long, arduous journey to, you know, your, your final destination point. 
And I think for me, it's um, honestly, it's kind of how I feel life is sometimes. It's a long, arduous journey and I just have to make it to my destination, which is what contentment? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> but the Brave Little Toaster, there's one particular song. Wow. Okay. There's one particular song that gets me and it's a song called Worthless. Have you heard it? Probably not in a while because I'm yeah. honestly afraid to watch that movie again because yeah. it is, <laughs> it's, it's traumatizing. a lot. It's traumatizing. It was a little traumatizing. It's surprisingly incredibly adult. Mm-hmm. Yes. There is an opening scene that I think the opening scene. So the premise is, if you have no idea what the Brave Little Toaster is about, it's a whole bunch of appliances that are, you know, anthropomorphized. So, you know, you've got these speaking animated appliances that have been left at a summer cottage and it's like it used to be that the family would come every year and then now it's it's been decades since they've come and now they're just in this empty house and the opening scene is an air conditioner freaking out about how useless he feels and then he essentially commits suicide in front of the other appliances you know it's as a kid I didn't understand that's what was happening so it's not like it you know, but as soon as I was an adult and I looked back on it, I went, holy crap, that's an incredibly dark movie. And um, partway through, they so they go through this whole long, they get this idea in their head that they're going to go to the master. They're going to go find their master. If he's forgotten about them, they'll just go. So they take this long journey from their cottage to the city to try to find out where he lives and, you know, get to him and whatnot. And at one point they are in a junkyard and all of the stuff in the junkyard comes to life. And the song, the song starts and it's called Worthless. And the opening lyrics, a car that is like fallen apart says, I can't take this kind of pressure. I must confess one more dusty road would be just a road too long. And then they say the worthless part. I just can't, I just can't, I just can't seem to get started. I don't have the heart to live in the fast lane. All that has passed and gone. And it's just like, it's such a good fucking song in a kid's film that I, you know, when I go back and I look at this, I'm like, wow, this is, this is so good. And then, so uh, with it following me through life, I've talked about this a little bit on my stream about like how much I enjoyed this film, or I I don't know if enjoy, but how much this film meant to me as a kid and like growing up and all the stuff that was like going through my life and how it would continually come back and how, when it was released on DVD, I bought it immediately. It's just like one of those things that I saw as a kid that, continues to follow me through life. And then I just mentioned offhandedly on stream that I've been waiting to get my hands on a copy of the book and a viewer found it and sent it to me. And so now I read it every year on Christmas Eve to my my community. Yeah. So it it follows me through, but the ending of the book is so much happier than the film. (laughs) Really? Yeah. I was expecting it to not have a happy ending in the book because it's implied that the book is much darker um, than than the actual film, but it's like what ends up happening. Sorry if this is spoiling it for you, but what ends up happening is the the owner doesn't want them because they're outdated. But a little old woman who doesn't have those appliances takes them in and loves them more than they've ever been loved. And it's just like, oh my God. Yeah. It's like, you know, you might feel worthless or you might feel not as good as the next person who's got, you know, the faster car or the whatever it is that you're comparing yourself to. But to someone, you're the 
best thing that's ever happened to them. And I just that's think that's so yeah. stupid. Like, Why am I crying now? <laughs> because it's so good. Oh I my am also God. crying, right? Yeah. So that's something that has followed me all the way through. It's not quite the same as a as a myth or anything, but most of the myths are very tragic and well, all uh, stories scary, but, are yeah. all stories to some extent are myths. Like the myths yes. that we consider myths right. today were the brave little toasters of that yeah. time. They're yes, all narratives. True. They're all stories. You know, yeah. like Nocturne is a myth and for some right. people it will be a myth for forever yeah um it's yeah i i sometimes i think about this quote i don't know i don't know who said this quote but i think it's a famous one like some fancy clothing designer or something <laughs> said it i don't know i'm probably wrong but it's basically like you could be the juiciest ripest peach in the world and there will still be people who don't really like peaches yep you know yeah, yeah. i've heard that um, before that's that's perfect yeah yeah but it's uh, you know, sort of reverse in the sense that instead of thinking about the people who don't like peaches, think about the people who really do like peaches. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. To kind of like tie in, which I can't believe I'm able to do this, but to tie in the Brave Little Toaster to Ariadne's thread. Oh my God. They actually have a similar theme. And that is that the appliances are doing everything in their power and ability for someone who doesn't love them back. And that is what Ariadne does. And I didn't know that really oh until I looked God, you're into right. the myth. Yeah. Mm. So Ariadne, the, the way that it goes, let me pull up my notes because there was some of this that I didn't actually realize. Yeah. I was hoping we were going to cover the original Ariadne yeah. myth because it's been a while. And I know for some people, they haven't had to study mythology in school. I personally, I just want to give a shout out to Edith Hamilton, the author of Mythology, one of my assigned reading in school. I read that whole book and that is pretty much where my knowledge of mythology comes from that's really good we'll put yeah. that in the show notes because i might dive into yeah. that too i actually want to buy it again and read it again that would be awesome i i really wish that the creator you know she said i read like so many books on all these things i really wish she would have listed some of her favorite like an official that dark reading, reading list, list. Holy, oh my god so so good. Good. it would be so good so yeah maybe maybe we can compile one Maybe we can go and look and find some books that would be interesting like for related to dark. That way we can, us dark fans can still get our dark fix somehow. Once I can keep a brain uh, focused enough to read something that's not just Anita Blake. I know. Yes. <laughs> um, so to, to go back and revisit the original myth, we have a mad king or at least a very vindictive one whose daughter was very beautiful. And this is uh, Princess Ariadne. And, uh, and, and a son. So she had a brother and, uh, but his son, so his son and her brother was killed in Athens and he became extremely angry and vindictive and then attacked the city and, uh, won. And then their terms of surrender and terms of peace, oh, this is brutal, is that, uh, every year they would provide seven maidens and seven youths to basically be trapped in a maze and, most of them starved to death or went mad. Uh, nobody ever made it out, which is just insane to me that you would. Uh, it's just insane to me. It's it's very similar to, um, and I know this repeats throughout history, but to bring it back to tales, what's the one with Katniss? I'm just forgetting. Hunger Games. Hunger Games. It's the same thing. Like we're every year we're going to make a sacrifice and I'm going to be entertained. And those of us, you know, in the other city are going to be entertained by it, but you will forever remember never to rebel. Yeah. And it's just, it's just wild. So anyway, he, they had to sacrifice people to uh, this uh, labyrinth. And over time, this like myth has changed to be that there was a great bull 
I think originally when you follow it back, there was a bull in this this maze or this labyrinth. But over yep. time, he's changed into the minotaur, this like monster minotaur who would eat them. If they didn't starve to death, he would eat them. And what happens here is Ariadne falls in love with someone and he is chosen to go in to the labyrinth. And she says, but I, you know, I love you. I don't want you to go. And he says, I would marry you if I weren't going into this thing. I love you too. And then she goes, well, I will give you a red thread. And there's something else she gives him too. She gives him a red thread and something else. And I can't remember what the other thing is now because it's been a couple weeks. But she gives him a sword to kill the Minotaur with. Okay, so she gives him a blade to go in with and the red thread. And he uses the red thread to find his way through the maze and he does kill the Minotaur. And when it's all over, he takes Ariadne and says, okay, we're running away together. We're going to get married and whatever. He leaves her stranded on an island and she's left there alone and like miserable, discarded. And then someone finds her and she is the most perfect thing he's ever encountered. And he loves her more than she's ever been loved before. And they end up very happy together. She lives her entire mortal life, dies. And then he says, no, that's not enough for me. I, you know, I still would like you to be with me. And he makes her immortal. And then she lives among gods. And I just this think is that's Dionysus, like, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And he, is he not yeah. the God of wine? Yes, he yes. is. And yeah, good times. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So man, she gets it. She's like, oh yeah. boy, does she get it? Yeah. You know, and he, <laughs> he loves Theseus her. Theseus sounds like a real, <laughs> yeah. real I wasn't uh, even going to fucking name him because he's a prick. But yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So she ends up, you know, living a very long, happy life uh, with a God that she loves and who loves her the way she deserves to be loved and all that. So I just think that that's like, that's really cool. I didn't know. I didn't really know that that twist at the end. But yeah, I thought I thought that was very, very interesting. And it does yeah. relate to dark in a couple of ways. But did I miss anything with a myth? Do you guys want to talk about the myth at all? I yeah. do a little bit. Yeah, let's yeah. do it. So one of the things that I in my research about the myth, there were a couple of interesting things. So first of all, I heard through my research, I heard on the grapevine, aka reading, <laughs> that there were actually potentially two versions of Ariadne, one who was earthly and one who was celestial, and that there were two sort of endings that differentiated between her experience with Theseus and like what happened there, one of which is a little bit less less brutal on Theseus because he was supposed to be this hero and he left her alone. And so there was a couple of versions, I think, where she's like, no, I'm good. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> uh, and then one of the other interesting things that I found out was that Theseus's father, Aegeus. So Theseus said, I was, I'm going to go do this thing. I'm riding, I'm sailing on my ship. If I come back with the wrong color, I'll come back with a white sail. Uh, I left with a black sail. I'll come back with a white sail if I've survived. And so he made it through. He survived and then he sailed back, but he forgot to change the sail. And so his father, uh, Aegeus, Aegeus, thought his son had died and he committed suicide. And then that is why he threw himself into the sea. And that's why it's called the Aegean Sea. So that's super yeah. interesting as well, because obviously uh, Jonas's father, Mikkel, also takes his life. Uh, so I found that might could, that could be interesting. That is very interesting. Over his yeah. son. Yeah. Yeah. Over his son. 
That's incredibly interesting because I do have in my notes that Jonas does represent Theseus in a way. Yeah. <gasps> okay. Yes. So we'll talk I'll about it later. Yeah. That. Sorry if so, I jumped yeah. ahead. <laughs> no, that's okay. That's okay. We'll 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 go back to it. But uh, yeah, Akon, yeah. did you want anything with the uh, myth? Yeah, let's talk about it. Yeah, I want to add a little bit, and I like how you presented it first as like a real story, and then how it evolved into myth. I could totally see that happening. What I was reading about the myth itself, to Mergles's point, there's a couple different versions. And one of the things that differs between the versions is whether or not Ariadne is mortal or not. Yes. Um, the consistent thread is Dionysus being her like lover and the person that she marries. Yeah. But I thought it was cool how the myth is structured because Ariadne is King Minos's daughter and in at least one of the translations, he put her in charge of the labyrinth. And in another, she met Theseus at a dinner when he came there almost undercover to go kill the Minotaur to stop the black sailed boats. That's the version that I saw most consistently is that he yeah. was deceiving her and right. she fell in love. And then because there's the interesting bits that they don't really like cover too much, because it's vague, it's like, you know, following her and then they leave her on this island and then they don't really talk about it. But I did see yeah. a couple of poems that uh, referenced that she wept and wept at how she had been manipulated and deceived, mm -hmm. which I think really relates to Dark and is incredibly interesting. But then she picks herself up and decides to like, you know, move forward and do something. It's not like she just sits there and waits until somebody else finds her. She, you know, weeps about the fact that she was deceived and then stands up and is like, okay, well, I guess I live here now. Yeah. And I can see a lot of parallels between that version of Theseus and Dark because Theseus for so many years always saw his father. I think it's every seven years, his father would send these black sailed ships filled with maidens and youths to like across the ocean. Yeah. And his father was always sad on that day and he didn't understand why. And then he finally said, father, tell me why you're doing this. Why are you so sad? And his father finally said, well, it's an agreement. We're sending uh, these youths and, and maidens from our land to go be sacrificed to the Minotaur in the labyrinth. And it's just something that we have to do. And so Theseus takes it upon himself to be one of the chosen and to goes in the cycle. Yeah. To, yeah. Yeah. To, yeah, exactly. And I just think it's interesting how, you know, in the process, he deceives Ariadne because he's doing it for his family. Yes. And that's so much of what happens in Dark is people are doing these things at each other's expense just because they're trying to do it for their family to protect or save or whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Also, just the whole I need to throw in like the whole bull thing. It's classic Greek myth where, you know, Minus's wife fell in love with a bull or was, you know, forced to fall in love. And then they had this minotaur and that's the reason he lives or exists. It's just, it's you know, a lot classic of animal fuckery and Greek myth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know who the minotaur is, right? Who? The unknown is the minotaur keeper <gasps> of the labyrinth. And oh, his shit. wife was forced to mate with a beast in order to like, yeah, like it's, it oh shit it's dark oh friends. my god it's this this myth permeates the whole show and i didn't even realize how deeply it goes like how far this labyrinth goes until i started researching for this episode holy can I, fuck yeah. yes can go I, on this is, let's just okay, go so ahead and is, follow this I'm all just, the way through yeah, yeah yeah i'm just gonna throw this out there it is yeah. not uh, in my research i found out this fact i don't know <laughs> 
It might not be related whatsoever, but I found it to be an interesting uh, coincidence. Okay. Mm-hmm. So in the Fright Night comic series 19, from 1989, a mm-hmm. spinoff of the popular 1985 vampire movie of the same name, regular character Aunt Claudia Hinald is the reincarnation of Ariadne, and she resurrects Theseus and the Minotaur during her first appearance in issue number 12, Bullwhipped. And Shut I know, up. I know so that cool. it's just a random comic, but I just thought it was you really weird that there was a person named Claudia. When and was she's it? The, 1989? 1989. Yeah, 89. That's such a cool coincidence. The 80s. Yeah, like, I yeah. feel like, man, I don't know. If that's a coincidence and it wasn't. Well, we, know, we know that the names aren't a coincidence and that they chose the names purposefully. And Claudia is one that we were kind of on the fence about. So I wonder yep. if this if this is a nod to that. Yeah, I because bet, honestly, I if I was is. able to find that information, just like yeah. living my life, I, doing research, like when I say I do research, like I do, re- I do normal people research. I'm not like going to the library, like, you know, I'm like doing, <laughs> I'm doing regular person accessible, <laughs> accessible research. And so I feel like the fact that I found that out and then. Oh, it was on the it was on the with an internet connection but yeah yes, yeah internet mm-hmm. connection accessible i found that out on the ariadne like wikipedia page because of course it gives you like a reference to every time ariadne is mentioned yeah. in popular media and so that's how i found that and at first i was like fright night comic series like it's not anywhere related but then i saw it was aunt claudia reincarnation of ariadne resurrecting theseus and the minotaur during her first appearance and i was like blah 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 blah, blah. anyway that's, i thought i'd throw that in shit. yeah i would be i would not be surprised again a, a lot of my experience with you know the show and research goes back to the fact that i am i will create like live improv shows and i will do research like that so i can't imagine that they are not doing that and we just yeah. had a quote from her where she read yeah. like so many books during all of this that i'm sure that she would have been like about. that's kind of cool let's yeah. do that and the, the myth the myth does like it's embedded in this show and it's crazy so ariadne is eventually killed by perseus now if you think of the show then perseus would be adam who's known for beheading medusa who also could potentially be Claudia or Claudia's downfall. And then mm. Theseus would be Jonas. The fact that Jonas's dad kills himself in the opening episode is crazy. Yep. And I hadn't caught that. So that's really flipping cool. And then what's really neat about this too, is he's known for killing foes associated with an archaic religious social order to try to establish a new world order, a new world, what? which is what Adam's Ooh. referring to. What? Yeah. Uh, he is the unifying ki- king and built a palace where he started the cult of Aphrodite, the church we see in 1920s where the Sigmundus meet, maybe? This is Theseus uh, that you're talking y- about? Yes, yes. So Theseus, young Jonas, would then eventually become this like person that does the new Olympus. Okay, what the fuck? The, yeah. I saw one line about that. Just yeah. one line, how he goes home, his father's dead, and he takes the kingship, he becomes king, and then like does all this really cool stuff culturally. But I didn't know exactly what it was. Oh yeah. my God. Now, to bring That's it crazy. back to your, there's two versions, a mortal and a celestial. There are two two copies of her, Marta. Yep. Yeah, other world exactly. Marta and mortal Mar like regular Marta. Regular Marta dies. <laughs> yep. Yep. And then other world Marta is mm-hmm. Afa, the powerful, all knowing. Yep. Carries on and becomes like a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. 
And what the as, hell? As, if you weren't entirely sure, now let's look at. There's a couple things I wanted to talk about too, and I'll I'll be brief because I feel like we're the conversation's going in a different direction. But uh, Ariadne's thread is not only a myth, but because of this myth. It's also now an algorithm that we right. use to solve problems, right? And it's most commonly seen in AI. They use it a lot for Sudoku, that kind of stuff. But they'll they'll usually briefly go upon any decision that you come through. Like, do I go left or do I go right? You just make one and then they mark if it's a failure or not. And it instantly when I read that, I thought of every scene that anybody has ever worn red in in the show. Yes, me too was marking the labyrinth and I yes. got goosebumps and almost puked. I was like, oh, the color theory, not only were we right about that, but I think that's what it is. It ties to Ariadne's thread. Like the it's the marking yep. of the labyrinth, man. Yep. And I, I just got like chills Holy. down my spine. I have and I chills was like, down. Balls. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. And then, so when I was like, okay, who's representing who? And I mean, this is open to interpretation and I'm not well super versed in mythology. So if anybody listening has a different interpretation for who Claudia or, you know, who these people might be, please let me know. I'm totally open to that. But when I was thinking of the Minotaur and the unknown, the keeper of the labyrinth who goes around and like kills people essentially to like keep this order and, you know, is Marta's son. I was like, holy shit, that's so fucking cool. But then the Labyrinth song by Asif Avedon plays when the unknown's role is revealed in the show. No. Yes. Stop it. Yes. What? Right now. Yes. 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 So um, I will definitely include that in the show notes. I'll include a YouTube video of the, the actual song that includes the lyrics, but what is very interesting to me is, oh, Ariadne, I was coming, but I failed you in this labyrinth of my past. Oh, Ariadne, let me sing to you and we'll make each other last. And then once again, I have failed you in this labyrinth of my past. You know, what's insane is I remember watching that scene and hearing the Ariadne context in that song playing and going, oh, cool. Yeah. Ariadne's thread. They're yeah. pulling it through the show. They brought but it like, back. That's another <laughs> yeah. level of meaning. And mm -hmm. holy fucking shit. Mm -hmm. Now, what's also super interesting is that Ariadne is close to like uh, Tenhouse mentions it. He says that the play was his late mother's favorite. And ever oh, since wow. he, he cherished it. Right. And then in 1888, when he's on the way to send the telegram with news of time travelers and the unknown comes and minotaurs him. Uh, he takes the copy of Ariadne that he, he was carrying and brings it to Ava. And Ava looks at it and is like, oh, yes, I played Ariadne once upon a time. But it's also like we are recreating this myth like right now. I am Ariadne. I am the keeper of the labyrinth and you are my minotaur. It's like it's 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 wild, man. Oh, my God. Yeah. And like. Hang on. I need to. I'm so like, I'm so flabbergasted by this. I'm like losing my thoughts. That's, that's so cool. Yeah. I'm bloodhounding. So please keep talking. Yeah, no, that's yeah, okay. okay. Just going, going off of that. I mean, I love the concept of Ava being the keeper of the labyrinth and the unknown mm -hmm. being her minotaur. Yeah. But like also going back to the red concept, marking different points yes. in the labyrinth. 
I was thinking that's essentially what Claudia does is she follows the thread all the way through to the origin world. And the whole concept behind Ariadne's thread is a logic uh, function. Yes. Being able to, she essentially marks it. She just follows a path until she can't anymore and then traces back and follows a different path and And does that to the the very end. You know, she sees it on the wall marked with the thread, in the bunker, literal thread on the bunker to be like, you know, yeah, we originally thought it was like Charlie moments, but I often wonder if she is also just doing that, marking the red saying like this does to this, but where is the way out? And then she finds it with Regina, right? It's it's wild how much they I'm put having into the a show. moment yeah. where this is like, guys, this is like the pinnacle of show making. This is yeah. the pinnacle <laughs> of storytelling and I can't get over it. Where you're just kind of like, wait, what? Okay, so what I'm currently diving on and I'm not sure I'm like pulling anything up specifically, the actors that who play the unknown do not have a cleft lip. So the cleft lip was <gasps> chosen. The cleft lip was chosen and put in there on purpose. The sword. The sword. Shut The sword. The sword, dude. The fucking sword, dude. (laughs) Okay, so I'm trying to find, like, the cultural meanings of cleft lip throughout history. Like, uh, and I'm seeing a lot of things of it being associated with some sort of... I'm so sorry. This is not how it should be considered for the record. But, you know, uh, the word mutant has come up in researching it it's super unfortunate but like i've heard yeah. it also potentially tied to like genetics right oh like yeah genetics gen- that don't work out together especially with like inbreeding i think what if it's simply just a visual representation meant to actually visualize the minotaur yeah, yeah. look at the minotaur's so. face yeah oh my god he oh, yeah his his nose yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, hold on. Shit. Wait. Okay. Yeah. Bull faces. I'm literally okay. Bull faces. I think it's they literally put it there to be like this is the Minotaur because of the just for those who aren't looking at this image right now, just the the crease between the two nostrils on a bull is what we're talking about. Yeah, on the Minotaur specifically as depicted, like uh, yes, in this exactly. Myth. Yeah, that would be brilliant if that's what they did. Yep, I think it's that, man. Yeah. Uh, that's super crazy and super cool. Like, if if you look at, and I will include this too, like, if you look at all of the old imagery, he has it. It's it's actually fucking freaky, because what he has is a sideways eight, the infinite symbol. But mm. yeah, he, he, the oh way he's God. depicted is having a, a crease in the middle of his mouth. So I wonder if that's why they did it. That's so interesting. That's so interesting. I didn't even know that. I just assumed that the actors had it. Huh. Good wow. catch, Mergs. Thanks. I'm just double checking. Yep. All three of the actors do not have a cleft lip. So I assumed in watching the show that maybe one of them did and they just didn't, they wanted to create a, you know, make sure it was clear for everyone who, yeah. who he was and that sort of thing. But none of the actors do. So it was a deliberate choice. That was a character was a design decision. Choice. Yeah. yeah. I, wow. I, I also wonder, like, potentially it could have been that they didn't want the audience being like, is this somebody we've already met? So they were like, yeah. let's just do a, you know, visual thing to differentiate. Yeah. But the fact Multi-purpose. that it looks, Yeah. But the fact that it looks like that's really cool. That's really yeah. cool to me. So, yeah, I'll include these uh, visuals of the Minotaur in, in the show notes here. I, I think this is really interesting too this line from uh ariadne from then on i knew nothing would change 
everything would remain the same. The wheel continues to turn round and round, one fate tied to the next, a thread, blood red, that connects us all. That was a quote from who? Ariadne says that. Oh, in yeah. the story? Now, I just need to know if she says that in the original myth or if that's slightly changed for Dark specifically. Oh, I see. So that was a quote from the show. It is from the show. Uh, I think, okay. hold on. Probably the production, right? The school production? Yes. Yep. Oh, yeah, man. Oh, what? What? So here are some of the quotes from the actual show. And she says, yeah, she says the spinning wheel turns round and round in a circle, one fate tied to the next. The thread red like blood that cleaves together all of our deeds. One cannot unravel the knots, but they can be severed. He okay. severed ours with the sharpest blade, yet something remains behind that cannot be severed an invisible bond. One thing I want to talk about, because I spent way too much time researching this, is mm -hmm. <laughs> the concept of the thread being red. And mm -hmm. you touched on this, PB, in yep. a previous episode. Mm -hmm. But what you just said there calls back everything that I was reading, because basically, in the show, they refer to the thread as red. In a lot of other like academic or referential pieces, they just say spool of thread, right? Well, it's the the people who are talking about Ariadne's thread in like an academic sense or they're referring to it in another work, they call it red. But there's mm. to your point from that last episode, there's mm -hmm. nothing in the original translation that I could find, at least that has a color involved. There's one translation that refers to it uh, saying Ariadne gave Theseus a clue of thread or I've seen people describe it as a silken thread or a ball of string, but never a color. And mm. so I was like, in my Googling, there's a ton of other people who refer to the thread as being specifically red, but it's not like an official translation or an academic professor or someone who's studying it. It's just someone who's referring to it almost like a colloquialism yeah. or yeah. something like that. It's so like I'm like, where did this come from? Where? Yeah. It's like I'm like, where is this coming from? Cultural. And yeah. And so I tried to find the source and I don't know if I did, but I did find a couple really cool nods to the concept of a thread of fate being read. The first is the one that PB's um, friend told us about, the, yeah. the Chinese belief of the red thread of fate. Yeah. where It has since been adopted by Japanese culture as well. Like one of yeah. my, I have like a show, one of my favorite shows is called, is, is a red thread thing where they're combined soulmates. So yeah, but it is usually very much like soulmate thing in Japan, at least. Yeah. So aside from that, I found that there's a Swedish term, actually, that literally means red thread. And it's used oh. to describe when something follows a theme. So for instance, if a piece of text has a red thread, it's written with a consistent thought throughout the text. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so that's since been adopted into like storytelling or like movie making or show writing the concept of a red thread is like a consistent theme or thought throughout and it comes from that swedish expression but then additionally to that i also found that there was potentially the first time it was used in a figurative sense by johann wolfgang von goethe in his work and mergel's going to have you yeah read this for us because it's german okay that's Goethe's third novel, which is um, translated to Elective Affinities, and it was published in 1809. But in it, he wrote, There is, we are told, a curious contrivance in the service of the English Marine. 
The ropes in use in the Royal Navy from the largest to the smallest are so twisted that a red thread runs through them from end to end, which cannot be extracted without undoing the whole, and by which the smallest pieces may be recognized as belonging to the crown. Just so as they're drawn through, and I think this is his character's name from the book, Ottilie's diary, a thread of attachment and affection which connects it all together and characterizes the whole. So there's been this common, I guess it was common knowledge at the time that the English Navy used a red thread in their rope, in their cordage, to keep it organized or to keep track of where all of the, the ropes to go. follow your maze home. That's insane. Yes. That's so yes. cool. And then it was adapted into a literary concept because Goethe used it to refer to the diary of one of his characters yeah. and that attachment and affection that was seen throughout the story. But then it turned into like, a thematic colloquialism and now people just and then the Swedish term too so I don't know what's going on there but it pops up in a lot of different places and I'm almost wondering if it's like the Mandela effect to some extent like people think Ariadne's thread and they think oh yeah it was red because in the in the text it was red but it's actually not yeah I wonder Mm. I wonder as well if it's it's one of those things that we were talking about earlier in the sense of different gods. Each culture had their own gods, but they all sort of represented the same thing. Maybe it's this sort of like strange across the board culturally understanding that we have. Or um, a lot of the old traditional paintings of it. I see it's red. Mm -hmm. So maybe it wasn't written in text, but then it was just, you know, a famous painter did it and did it red. And then everybody was like, oh, yes, red. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's that's fascinating. That's so interesting. Along that line, um, because Acorn already said it, one of the things that I also found was that the word clue originally was a form of clue, meaning the skein of thread of Ariadne's thread. So we use the word clue. I found a clue to describe investigation. So that comes from Ariadne's thread. Oh my God, what did I just say? One of the translations said a clue of thread. Yeah, Yeah. and so that's why we call it a clue is when we find find the thing. Also, one other thing I want to quickly say. Greek lexicographers in the Hellenistic period claimed that Ariadne is derived from the Cretan dialectical elements Ari, most, which is an intensive prefix, and Atnos, holy. Most holy is what her name means. And how many characters in this show how many of their names mean most holy or most pure? Like That's so, so many of good. them. Holy cow. Yeah. Okay. I'm oh, going to say, I'm going to say one thing because I'm really trying to pitch Russian doll to all of you listening to the show <laughs> and to the, my co-hosts here. But the main character in Russian dolls name is Nadia. And I'm pretty sure her full name is an anagram for Ariadne. And the finale episode of the show is called Ariadne. So like, please I have to go watch oh that show God. again. Let's I've seen it, it and it's amazing. I binged it in one night. We binged yeah, it I in did too. one night. I did too. Yeah, <laughs> I, I like, watched wow. the whole oh thing God. and was like, holy shit, this is so good. But I have so much to say about it and I want to do a second watch. So uh, it's it's another one of those shows that there's literally so much hidden meaning in there. So please go give it a shot. And it's weird because I watched the first, I think, 20 minutes of the show and was like, what the fuck is this? Like, I'm so not into it. And then something happens and I'm like, oh, okay and then you're you're in so yeah that is exactly what you said about dark yeah it was the first couple oh, minutes and then you yeah, had the realization was, about time travel and you were yeah. like is this about time travel i'm in yeah yeah <laughs> yeah pretty much yeah so yes i think i would like to do that next i know we've got like dark on the horizon for quite a while nobody panic yeah. but next up is is russian doll so perhaps what we will do is like 
you know, when we're done with dark, we can tell everybody to go watch Russian Doll and then we'll start. Yes. Yeah. We can do like a season break or something. Yeah. Something like that. I have mm-hmm. one more random thing mm-hmm. that I thought I'd just chuck in the mix. Yeah. Okay. This was a thought that I had. Her thread was often also referred to in my research as a ball of thread to begin with. Yeah. And I know that we've discussed that Ava, her time travel machine is an apple. But yeah. could it also be a ball oh, of thread? Yeah, that's interesting. That is so interesting. Oh, and it wow. should be noted. I, I didn't mention this, but it is it is something. And I don't want anybody walking away. I'm sure everybody has seen this, but they actually do use red string in the show, in the caves, to try to like, yes. you know, find the way back and the right path. So She's that is wearing another, a red cord in, as well. Yeah, there's yeah. another in, instances of it. And uh, yeah, there's there's lots of very direct, overt references to Ariadne and Ariadne's thread. But the other crazy thing, too, is I think like the whole show, it's again what the quote I read at the beginning of the episode from the creator. It's the same story, but from different perspectives, from a scientific one, from a time travel one from a mythological one and a spiritual one. And I'm so glad that I found that quote because it further, it further solidifies what I think the true meaning of the show is, which we'll talk about in the finale, because if she's reading stuff on spiritualism, then I know they intended what I took from the message that I took from it was intended. And it's all something that they're trying to Everyone is trying to make themselves whole and find their way out of their maze and that they specifically chose this version of the song. We know based on all of our previous episodes that they aren't they aren't fucking around with this stuff with like they choose songs based on lyrics every single time. Everything is like made for the show. So the fact that this version of Ariadne's tale is the one that they chose to play at that moment is like, ah, it's so good. Evening rises, darkness threatens to engulf us all, but there's a moon above, it's shining, and I think I hear a call. It's just a whisper through the trees, my ears can hardly make it out, but I hear it in my heart, vibrating strong as if she shouts, oh, Ariadne, I'm coming. I just need to work this maze inside my head. I came here like you asked. I killed the beast. That part of me is dead. Oh, Ariadne, I just need to work this maze inside my head. If only I'd have listened to you when you offered me that thread. Like, it's, oh my God, it's dude. very much this song. This version of the song is very much about someone who is like struggling and either, you know, a partner is like, you need to sort your shit, get some therapy or, you know, whatever, and then leaves and they don't, they have not listened and they are suffering like with this other version of themselves, this past version of themselves that they don't like, you know, which is like used in the show so much. It's like, I, yeah. Oh man. I I I have another crazy, crazy, crazy idea. Okay. Let's go. We're here for this it. This is my crazy idea. <laughs> mm-hmm. So in in animated filmmaking mm-hmm. stuff, show stuff, we often do this thing, and I'm, I know they do it in live action as well. You create a map. You create mm-hmm. a map of all your locations. They're referenced to each other so that when you're filming, you have an understanding of how far distances are. You have an understanding of like the overarching place. I kind of want that map because what if it's in the shape of a maze 
And what if every shot, every location, every scene in this show takes you further and further down into the center of the maze and then back out again? Shut the fuck up. I'm, I oh, think my God. that there might be something there because like in order for, so in general running a show, dude, like you dude, have this dude, map, dude, 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 and then, dude. I'm so yeah, sorry. I'm, I'm literally seeing them in my brain as I go because I have, yes. I have a folder of screenshots for the cinematography yes. episode. And yes. like, remember how they mirror it? That's yes. the fucking left. That's the other yes. side of the maze. That's I the know. other side. I think you might be right. I know. So I think if we go back and uh, honestly, if you we take do each it. shot, we got to do it. We got to like map out the show because I think that the locations like Jonas's house, Marta's house, the the, the Winden the caves, precincts. the the yeah. precincts, the the you know, these are the locations that we go to often. And I know for a fact that shows do these maps so that they can keep continuity um i know that's a thing so like and i also know that people do those kinds of continuity they plan it out like that i would not be surprised even in the least if that map is a labyrinth and they the show tracks them moving through that labyrinth and then reverses where they're wearing red in the show is like turns like actual turns and actual points in the labyrinth dude okay i'm just calling it it now we're gonna do it that's our cinematography episode like i know we have (laughs) i know we have some other stuff planned but we have to at least like follow this through we We have to follow this thread yeah we can do a whole mini-sode and just be like where this ariadne's thread take us so uh yeah i think that's a thing i'm gonna i'm gonna go and strongly say i bet you that's a thing so let's do it i am fucking floored and i will be interested what is at the center of that labyrinth is it the winning caves or is it the nuclear power plant i think i know what it is i think it's townhouse's shop yes Ooh. yeah yeah Yeah. oh but it'll be fun to find out (laughs) yeah (laughs) it could be uh, it could be the nuclear power plant because at the very end, they're like a life without wind in, which has always been a weird thing to think about. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, man. God. All I'm all I'm saying I is there's a lot podcast. of. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Oh, my God. We've reached it that is... point in the episode where we're like, we're yeah, like worth this so again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. God, it was so good. Well, that's it. That's what I had for this flipping okay. episode. Oh, good, because that's yeah. that's all I had too. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's everything. Um, um, I just have one more small thing. Yes. Uh, we can get rid of this because I think we pretty much hit our end. But um, in the play, they reference Ariadne's duality, duality in the sense that there are two Ariadnes, the celestial and the earthly. And in the play and the show, mm. they reference that, and they they say that she has one foot in the dark and one foot in the light. And then she changes dresses in the play. Marta yeah. is wearing a white dress and a black dress. And oh. when she dies, she's wearing a white shirt and she's only wearing black in the From alternate world. Then on, yep. Yeah. So just wanted to throw that little detail in there. You can move that around if you, you want. You know what's interesting? I'm not going to, I think I'll just leave it here as a afterthought ish, even though it's not mm-hmm. quite. But like, I think uh, what's interesting about that too is ever since our Hermeticism episode, where like, where they're both blowing on the dark side of mm-hmm. the of yep. the thing i've started i realized that adam wears black too and so does so does marta alt world other world rather marta is wearing black and i i genuinely think that the light side is tan house and everything being whole and one and they are actually both the dark sides of that diagram yeah. 
Yeah, you know, yeah. they're blowing on the dark side. So we only see the dark side. I genuinely think we discovered why the show's called Dark. Yeah, like, I know. I, I'm like, yep. Uh, I can't stop thinking about it. Anyway, I will say, I will say, I'm super happy. I feel like, honestly, after the Hermeticism episode, I feel like I've had a shift in my mind because before the Hermeticism episode, I was like, this show is really good. The writing is insane. It's so solid. Blah blah blah. And then after the Hermeticism episode, I'm like, every single second of this show, something's there, yeah. and it needs to be torn <laughs> apart. And yeah. it was there deliberately. Like I'm yeah. full conspiracy theorist. Yeah, that, I'm sorry. Yeah. That that yeah. that that. Book shot fucking at book? 38 I... <laughs> 38 fucking yeah, kill me no like, way what? no way and no way i think you're right about the maze i think you're right about the maze and because i i remember specifically looking like looking at shots in the show and being like this is flipped and i know that they did the alternate you know uh one half of the world and another half which seems like such a surface level way to show visually that the show is the alt world and the other world but it's really so much more than that and i think there's even shots that they kind of angle differently or mirror differently i wonder if them showing the direction of approach on the cabins and stuff like that the the red dust in the it that she finds by the way is another thing in my notes that i didn't bring up today the the it's red clay Mm-hmm. that leads charlotte to kind of follow the thread it's red yeah. that clay yeah. that she finds yeah. on the bottom of his the clue yeah the clue yeah it's wild anyway but yeah i think i think you're right about that and now i'm like you've given me a bone and i'm gonna be I like oh, all right let's go let's go look <laughs> because they map they map out so i know for example i know in I doing know shots do. you map out entrances and exits yeah. you map out directions the camera everything is you planned. storyboard everything out. you storyboard yeah. everything so like uh, i know it's different in live action because you have a plan a lot of live action also does storyboards so i'd be curious to see if dark did storyboards but all of those things can contribute first of all you you plan out entrances and exits for motion there's lots of thinking behind it as in like you're carrying the audience's eye from cut to cut editing is super important you know you never want to notice it it just flows all that stuff but i'm curious to see if the scenes where for example uh characters are moving in and out and if they jump the axis if they uh i if didn't they notice them the jumping the axis ever um yeah. but what i did notice was a very specific use of the that like zooming back in time mm-hmm. when they would go back in time now just yeah, think about in this third season yeah let's just think about ariadne in general in the thread and typically you go until you hit a thing and then you go back and you mm. find a new path yeah but i just think that's that's kind of interesting I don't think that there's any meaning in that specific effect other than to very visually tell us we're going back since they did it so much in season three. But man, I love this podcast (laughs) every week. And today, what did I say when we sat down? I was like, you know, I have a couple of things, but mostly we've talked about Ariadne's thread already. So, you know, I have some stuff, but I just don't know if we're going to have a mind blowing episode. And sure (laughs) enough, we did. Famous last words every fucking time. So good. So good. Well, thank you so much, everybody, for joining us on another episode of essentially Ariadne's Maze, (laughs) where we're like (laughs) the maze of dark. Yeah, let's do some shout outs. Mergs, you want to go first? Sure thing. Hello, I'm Mergles. Um, you can find me on Twitch and Twitter, twitch.tv slash Mergles, twitter.com slash Mergles. 
uh, I've said it before, I'll say it again. I'm making an animated film from scratch. So if you're interested in how animated films get made, including the storyboarding process, which I did back in February, uh, I'm painting backgrounds right now. So it's very nice, but um, we'll be moving into animation and that'll be a cool adventure too. Anyway, you can find me doing that on Twitch. TV slash Mergles. Acorn, you're up. Yeah, I'm Acorn. You can find me online at Acorn Bandit and also on joysons.com, J-O-I-S-A-N-S. You can find all my links on that website if you add uh, after the dot com slash pages slash Acorn. I am also on the Geek Generation Podcast Network with another podcast called Avatar the Podcast, where myself and Booster Greg, my co-host, go through a watch-along journey through Avatar The Last Airbender. And it has been so great. And we're about to go into season two uh, or book two. And I've said that for a little bit just because we're prepping right now. And I'm so excited. So if you're an Avatar fan, then please come join us there. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, And I am PB or Pumpkinberry, which is how you can find me on the internet at twitch.tv slash pumpkinberry, Twitter at pumpkinberry, or at pumpkinberry TV. You can see all the crazy stuff that I'm up to. And I just do so much that it's hard to like summarize it in one shout out. I do some tabletop. I stream video games. I run a couple of other podcasts. This one's my favorite. Am I allowed to say that? (laughs) Do I have to cut that out? I'm not gonna deal with it. This one's my favorite. Um, Yeah. And I think if if you'd like to... uh, to see what I'm up to, you can check me out there. But again, I'm going to probably shout out uh, Nocturne, which is a show that I ran about five people stuck in a time loop and the players didn't know they were in a time loop until like episode five. But you know, so let's go in and find all the hidden meanings that are in that show because it's great and I love it and I put a lot of heart into it. And <laughs> I watched Dark after I had started the show and written this like time travel thing. And I remember watching Dark and being like, well, this is, you know, uh, scripted and polished and written and everything's done and it's not improv. So I'm just going to throw myself out a window um, because it's so <laughs> much better than I could have done. But it's like, it's one of those things where it's a, it's the same theme, but it's told in a very different way and still very enjoyable. Um, and it's improv. Yeah. So that's cool. There's stuff I wasn't expecting. So yeah. Like anyway, I become a door. Yeah. So good. So good. Oh my God. That's it for me. And thank you for listening. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. And of course, if we missed anything, which I'm sure we did, uh, you can tweet us individually or use the hashtag dark companion pod or you can email us at dark companion pod at gmail.com and of course special thanks to johnny aka johnny knight on twitter and that's j-h-o-n-y-k-n-i-g-h-t for letting us use the beautiful cover art for this podcast we're also proudly part of the geek generation network and you can find more awesome podcasts related to cool nerdy things like tv comics and movies at thegeekgeneration.com Thank you so much for diving into dark and we'll be back next Thursday with a mini sode number three radio Winden, And then we shall continue the Thursday after that. So thank you so much. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.